We are one church meeting in many rooms all across the Bay Area and really all across the country and even in other countries around the world. We are so glad that you are with us. I thought we'd start off by looking at a few signs. I I love uh, looking at some different signs, especially church signs. Find some humor in this. Check out this church sign. Uh, Now's a good time to visit. Our pastor is on vacation. I don't know if this is saying like, hey, you're still welcome even though our pastor's on vacation or like, now's the time to come because you'll get a good, good message. I'm not sure what they're going for there. Check out this next one. Uh, this is uh, Dairy Queen. Uh, you know, it's hard to find good help these days, but this is ridiculous. Abby, you need to show up for work. Uh, anytime you have to put that on a marquee, I mean, it's time for a transition. All right, next one. I like this one. Th- this year, thousands of men will die from stubbornness. <laughs> no, we won't. You're not going to tell me when I'm going to die. Check out this one. Uh, not a whole lot of art festivals going on these days, but every Taco Tuesday, you might have one of these at your home. I love that. Uh, check out this next one here. Uh, it says, God can do more with your surrender than you can with your control. And I thought we'd just kick off with a question that I would like for you to consider. Is it possible that God can do more through your surrender than you can with your control? Is that a possibility? Well, we've been in this series, How to Live Through a a Bad Day, and our our theme verse throughout this this entire series has been Hebrews 12, and this is week seven. We're tying a bow on this series. You probably have this memorized already, but but here's the instructions in Hebrews 12. It It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. And that's just a good reminder for us, no matter if it's, it's a tough season, whether it's a, a mountaintop season, we just need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Not on, not on the news, not on the stock markets, not on, not on everything that's taking place in this, this world around us, not on the global pandemic. I mean, we need to be mindful of all those things, but we fix our eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. And here's the invitation, study how he did it. And that's really why we're, we're in this series. We've been trying to study how Jesus did it. How did he navigate his worst days so we can learn to navigate our, our bad days? Because here's the deal. He never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. The cross, shame, I mean, whatever. And now he's there in that place of honor, right alongside God. And when you find yourself struggling, when you find yourself flagging in your faith, Go over that story again and again, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. And this is my prayer for you, that it'll put some adrenaline in your soul, that it'll breathe some, some fresh wind into your sails, that, that you could, could get some fresh adrenaline in your souls in the midst of a, a trying seasons. For the last seven weeks, we've been in this series, How to Live Through a Bad Day, and we've been examining Jesus's final words as he's actually being executed on a cross. I mean, you talk about a bad day. I mean, this is Jesus's worst day, but he makes these seven statements that give us some perspective, that give us some, some insights on how we too can navigate our bad days as as well. And so the first statement that we saw Jesus make from the cross is, is this. He says, Father, uh, forgive them. And we talked about in week one how it's hard enough to navigate our, our bad days, but it's almost impossible to navigate our, our bad days while we're carrying the suitcases of, of resentment and unforgiveness into our, our present challenges as, 
as well in the first statement that Jesus makes. I mean, he's being executed. The cross would have been about a foot off of the ground. I mean, he's almost at eye level with his executors, with his mom gathered there, his best friend there, some some there mourning his loss, some there cheering on his crucifixion. And all the while he says, Father, forgive them. And we too need to embrace that reality if we're going to navigate our our bad days with grace. Second statement that Jesus makes from the cross is he turns to this, this guy who's being executed next to him and he says, says I gives him some hope. He says, I tell you today, you'll be with me in, in paradise. And, and my friend Raymond Hudson, he brought a great message and reminded us that our bad days cannot derail us from our purpose. I mean, as a church, as individuals, we exist to help people find and follow Jesus and your bad days cannot derail you from that purpose. The, the third statement that Jesus made from the cross is found in John, and it says this. He turns to his mom. I mean, on his worst day, he's like, what about my mom? And he says, says mom, uh, here's your son. John's going to take care of you. And he turns to, to his buddy John and says, John, now you got to take care of my mom like she is your own. And on his worst day, uh, Tiffany taught us this, this lesson that on our worst days, man, we, we care for those who are closest to us. And what a great message that was. What a great reminder on your worst days. Oftentimes we, we dump on those who are closest to us, but Jesus modeled, no, we care for those who are closest to us, even on our, even on our bad days. And then in, in week four of this series, the fourth statement that Jesus made from the cross, uh, Richard Rock did a great job unpacking this. And as Jesus himself asked this proverbial question, my God, my God, why? Why is this happening? Why are we in this reality? Why am I suffering like this? Why is this taking place? Why that? Why this? Why that? And we learned that week that, man, it's, it's best for us to direct our, our, our why questions to God. And the reality is that, that there's some answers that we may not know on this side of eternity, but God always has a plan and he works things together for our good. And then the fifth statement that Jesus made from the cross is found in John. And, and it says this, he just says, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm thirsty, and this week we talked about, hey, let's be honest enough to acknowledge our need. Let's be human enough to acknowledge our need. Let, let's be willing to, to remove the mask. I mean, we are imperfect people in progress. And the more we become comfortable with that reality, the, the less we'll have to hide from each other. And then, then last week we talked about this statement in John 19. Jesus said, it is finished. But we talked about how the reality was like it wasn't completely over yet. This wasn't the last statement. And our, our big idea was that in my struggles, God has a purpose and, and even a plan. And then this week we're looking at uh, this seventh statement, this final statement Jesus made from the cross. And it's found in, in, in Luke 23. It says this, it says there was about, so about the sixth hour. So this is noon. Uh, their, their, their time schedule is a little different. The, the day started at 6 a.m. So the sixth hour, 12 o'clock noon, uh, darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, until 3 p.m. And the sun stopped shining and, and the curtains of the temple were, were torn in two. And that's an important little detail that, that we find here. And here's what, what that means. In, in the temple, uh, the, there's this place called the most holy place. And only the high priest could go into that, that, that room once a year to offer sacrifice for, for the whole nation. 
And at this moment, as Jesus lays down his life for you and for me, it says the, the curtain of the temple was torn. And some co- scholars say the, the curtain was likely like six inches thick, like something no man could ever do on his own. But from top to bottom, God's saying, no, no, no. Now my presence is available to you. Now you can come just as you are. You don't need a high priest. You don't need a pastor. You don't need a priest. You can come directly into my presence. Hebrew says, says, come boldly towards the throne of grace to find grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. And that, that, that's, that would make for a great message, but that's not today. So, so I'm gonna keep moving. Uh, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands. Here it is. Father, into your hands. I commit my Spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. Here's the big idea for this week. Finally, surrender your day to God and let it go. Trust. Surrender your day to God and let it go. If statement number six was a statement of triumph, statement number seven is a statement of of trust. While Jesus is feeling rejected, even abandoned by his father, he still decides to trust his life into his hands. We've all felt like this from time to time, right? We were like uncertainty, uncertain of what's happening and the uncertainty of the reality around us, but we all have this opportunity to, to surrender our day to God and let the situation go. However, we'll never experience the peace until we surrender it and leave it there. It can only be one person's problems. It can be God's problems or your problem. And if you're like me, sometimes there's, there's tension in that because I want to lay it down, but I, I also want to control the situation. And what Jesus is doing here on the cross is actually, he's actually quoting a scripture in, in Psalms. And, and so we could talk about how important it is to know scriptures on your worst day, but, but here's the, the scripture he, he quotes from Psalm 31. Uh, four through five, and it says, says, free me from the trap. What's what's the trap? Uh, Free me from the trap that was set for me, Uh, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Redeem me, O Lord, the God of truth. And, And for me, I think the greatest trap is to not do this. The greatest trap is to try to control the, the, the imitation is that, that there's a God of truth. He's a, our redeemer. He's got good things for you, and we can trust him, and we can find freedom from the trap by surrendering our day to God into his hands. We commit our spirits, and we are able to, to let it go. Now, there's a trap, though, because we all want to, to hang on to things. We all are, are worried about a whole lot of things. We're worried about, uh, about our finances and, and the current realities of the, the financial climate that we find ourselves in. We're, we're worried about our future. Like, what does the future hold? Uh, what, what's happening next? What, what, what does this coming week have in store? I mean, are you for real? Like, things are getting crazy out there. We worry about, about our health. It reminds me of this guy. He went to the doctor and he said, hey, doc, I'm not, not feeling real good. And he said, hey, don't worry. You're going to live to at least 60. And the guy says, well, I'm 62. And the doctor's like, yep, I told you. Yep, I was right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he, it's, it's crazy times out there. Uh, I, here's an honest confession. I, I'm not a real big fan. Sometimes I get a little nervous whenever I'm, I'm flying on on airplanes, because I'm like, man, I, I know the likelihood, I know the statistics, I'm more likely to die in a car crash than an airplane, but there's something about flying through the air that makes me a little uh, unsettled. And so I'm typically with my, my kids whenever I'm flying, so I wear that, that game face all good. But every time that, that plane's about to take off, I'm like, oh God, 
please allow your angels to carry this plane back safely onto the ground. And I know some of you might say, well, hey, whenever it's your time, it's your time. And I totally understand that. But my question is, what if it's the pilot's time and I'm just sitting on the plane? I'm just saying, I, I pray, God, would you help me make it back, make it back to the ground safely? I mean, we worry about our kids. We worry about their education. We worry about how this global pandemic is going to impact them and their psyche. We worry about, about their spiritual growth. We worry about their circles of influence. And I read this letter this week. This, this dad got from, uh, from his son. He was walking past his, his son's bedroom, and, and the bed was made. The room was all cleaned up. His son's a teenager, and this is super unusual for, for his son. And so uh, he walked over to the bed, and he found this this letter, and it, it read this. Uh, Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I am writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with Mom and you. I've been finding real passion with Stacy. Uh, she's so nice, but I knew you would not approve of her because of all of her piercings, tattoos, and, and tight motorcycle clothes, and because she's, she's so much older than I am. Uh, but it's not only the passion, Dad. She's, she's also pregnant. And Stacy's told me she, she's pretty sure it's mine. And in addition to all of her other kids, God, uh, Dad, I'm, I'm excited to have my, my own son, too. Uh, she owns a trailer out in the woods, Dad, and, and she says she has a whole stack of firewood that can last us the entire winter. Uh, we share the dream of having many more children, too, Dad. Uh, Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone, and we'll be growing it ourselves and trading it with other people in the commune uh, for cocaine and all the ecstasy we want. In the meantime, we pray that science will find a cure for all of her diseases, because uh, Stacy, she sure deserves a better life. Uh, don't worry, Dad. I'm, I'm 15, and I know how to take care of myself. Someday, I- I'm sure I'll be back to visit you and Mom so you can meet all of your grandchildren. Love your son. Joshua. Oh, there's P.S. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. I just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the school report card that's on the kitchen table. Call me whenever it's safe to come home. (laughs) I don't care who you are, man. That's funny. That's funny. And uh, for all you teenagers that are going to have report cards coming in the mail soon, just feel free to Feel free to use that strong anchor there. Uh, but, but, but Jesus actually talks about this idea of worry and how we can find freedom from worry. And it's in Matthew 6. And, and the most popular sermon really ever given in the history of humanity is from Jesus. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. And he's really addressing us as how do we live as, as kingdom subjects, as followers of God? How, how, do we, how do we do this? How do we conduct ourselves? And one of the things that we do is to to find freedom from, from worry. And here's how he starts it off. He, he starts it off with this, uh, no one can serve two masters. And one commentator I read this week said that at the root of this word worry is to have this uh, divided mind. It's like, like, you got it, God. No, 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 I got it. No, you're in charge. No, I'm in charge. No, 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 you. No, no, me. And it's like we, we, have, we have two masters. We have this divided mind that brings all this anxiety and worry into our our lives. And he says this, so, so, so no one can serve two masters because here's the deal. Uh, you will hate one and, and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one, or you'll despise the other. You cannot serve both God and, and money. And it's like, well, why, why does he bring up finances here? And I think it's because he's talking about, if you go back to the other slide, about, 
about lordship, like who's really in, in charge. He's saying, do you, do you trust me and do you trust my biblical principles even whenever it comes to your finances or, or, or not? Because uh, here's what he says, and this is how they're, they're connected. Uh, that is why, so there is a connection here. That is why I tell you, do not worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and, and the body more, more than clothes? He's just saying, like, not that these things aren't important. He's just saying, isn't there, isn't there more? Like, like, there's eternal things that matter that are currently at stake. And for many of us, we, we worry about trivial things. And I've never met a person on their deathbed that said, man, I wish I would have worn that dress the other night. Uh, I've never met, met someone that, that said, you know what, I, I did overcook the steaks. And man, that, that really bothers me. No, no, no. They're always thinking about things that are, are big picture, things that matter for eternity. And Jesus just invites us to have that perspective right here right now. He goes on to say this, uh, look at the birds. Uh, they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns uh, for your heavenly father feeds them. Like, like he takes care of them. Remember that, that old hymn, if his eye is on the sparrow, I know he's taking care of me. And aren't you more valuable than, than they are? Like, aren't you more important than a bird? And, and who of you by worrying, uh, can all your worries add a single moment to your to your life, like, like where, where does worrying get you? And really worrying is trying to, to control the uncontrollable. It, it doesn't really help us today. It just saps the joy out of our, our present situation. I believe the enemy loves that uh, because he allows us to be distracted. And so we're not, not present. He goes on to say this, and, and why worry about, about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and, and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, and yet... Solomon in all of his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are. And then he closes with this. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and tomorrow they're thrown into the fire, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? In all of that, he's really asking, is it possible that God can do more through your surrender than you can with your control? Like God takes care of all these, the birds of the air, the flowers of the fields. Like he cares for all those things. He cares for you so much more. Is it possible that he can still take care of you? And so I, here's the reality. I'm as guilty as the next guy of, of worry. And, uh, and I get anxious for a lot of things. I, I battle sleepless nights uh, as, as much as the next guy. Uh, but, uh, but I think that Jesus, even on his worst day, he gives us some some profound principles here that we can really surrender our day to God and let it go and find peace in the midst of challenging times. And so my hope over these next few moments is just to give you some practical handles on how to apply this to your life. And really, that's my hope. Every week we gather, every time we hear, hear God's words taught, like, like, man, my hope is not to just impress. I, I really don't, don't want that. My hope is that we would be practitioners of God's word, that we would apply his word to our lives because that's where real life change uh, takes place. And so before we jump into the, the practicality uh, of this message, I got two more, two more slides for you here. Here's a sign. Uh, do you know what hell's like? Come here, our preacher. <laughs> I hope that's not true of us here, but maybe it is. Here's the next one. Uh, don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's what they meant. Uh, but over these next few moments, I hope you don't get a taste of hell. And I hope you um, don't die. Uh, but I do want to give you three practical ways to, to dealing with, 
with worry and surrender your day to God and, and let it go. Philippians 4, uh, 6 through 7 are some, some key verses to have in your arsenal. Uh, an action step this week, if you've, you've never memorized these, these passages, I would invite you to memorize these. Uh, call them to mind as often as you worry, and, uh, and I think you'll make a whole, whole lot of difference. So here's, here's the opening verse in Philippians 4, 6. It says this, don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Now, wherever you are in your home, if you're in the bathroom, if you're, you're in the car, if you're wherever you are in your head, I invite you to say these words in your mind or maybe say them out loud. Don't worry, instead pray. That's the invitation. Don't worry, instead pray. Don't worry about anything, instead pray about everything. Essentially what Paul is saying is allow your worry to be your alarm clock reminding you it's time to pray. And really prayer at its best is coming to God and say, you know what, God, I've been carrying some stuff. It's weighing me down. I don't know what to do with it. It's kind of eating my lunch, and I'm just going to leave it here. And we let it go. Prayer at its best is transferring the burden off of your shoulders and laying it at the feet of Jesus. And today, whatever your burden is, I I know many of you have some very real, real burdens that you're up against, whether it's financial, whether it's health, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with your marriage, whatever the burden you have, my prayer for you today is that by the time we're done here, a burden would have been transferred, not yours to carry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. It goes on to say this, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. In other words, make a list of what do you need from God today? If God were to show up to you right now and say, what do you need from me? What's on your list? Talk to him about that and then, then thank him for all the things he has, he has done for you. And then you'll experience. Another translation says, if you do this, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Again, perhaps God can do more through your surrender than you can with your control. So let's get to the three practical action steps for us. Here's the first one. Uh, Get to know God. If we're going to allow uh, worry, if we're going to lay worry at his feet, we're going to lay our big concerns, well, we need to get to know him better. Uh, Get to know God. And and if you know God already, maybe you just need to get to know him better because the more we know him, the more we trust him. The more we trust him, the more we're willing to to lay it down and and really surrender it uh, to him. In Matthew 6, uh, 31 through 32, it says this. Uh, again, back to that passage. We're going to just kind of camp out there today. So, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? So it says, pagans run after all those things. And your heavenly Father, he knows. He knows what you, what you need. Like, he's going to take care of you. Here's what uh, the message paraphrase puts it. It says, people who don't know God uh, and the way that he works, they worry over all these things. But, but so, so the solution to worry is you just get to know God better. You can trust him more and, uh, and you'll, you'll lay your worries, worries down. He really does have your back. Knowing God equals knowing that he has, he's got you. The second principle is, is put God first in every area of your life. Man, put God first in every area of your, of your life. Whenever God's priorities become, become my priorities, man, life just gets a whole lot, 
lighter. It removes all the, the sideways energy uh, from my life. In Matthew 6, it says this, but seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as as well. When we make him first, when we, we make him the top priority of our lives, he takes care of all the other, other things. Instead of worrying about, about your agenda, my agenda, let's invest our lives in, in God's agenda. So, so, so we're, we're going to get to know God. And for some of you, you've been following Jesus longer than I've been alive. And I would just invite you to get to know God, get to know God better. Uh, we're going to put God first in every area of our life. And then finally, we're going to live one day at a time. Just live one day at a time. In other words, don't open the umbrella before it starts raining. I mean, there might be some planes that have crashed, but, but this plane seems to be flying pretty good. That may or may not happen, but that's tomorrow. We're going to worry about what's taking place today. I think the devil robs many of us of our joys today because we're so consumed with tomorrow. And here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. He says, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Check this out. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. You know, it's been said, uh, worry never robs tomorrow of its sorrow. It only saps today of its joy. Here's a closing quote for this message and really for this entire series. It's by Jack Hayford, and here's what he said. To live through a bad day, indeed to conclude it, is to place it into the hands of God and leave it there. Here's what I'd like for us to do at this time. Wherever you are, I would like for you just to open up your hands. A posture of, of laying it down. Maybe in your living room, Maybe you're in a parking lot. Maybe you're, you're, you're out for a walk and, and just listening to this. I'd invite you, wherever you are, just to pause. And let's just open up our hands. Because all of us, whenever we started listening to this, we have some burdens. We have some, some weight on our shoulder. And I think the invitation of the seventh statement that Jesus made from the cross is to surrender it to him and let it go. And so whatever you have in your hands, just want to take a moment for us to do just that. Father, you know the burdens that many of us carry. God, I just know some people on the other side of this camera have some real weight on their shoulders. Some financial, some, some relationship to their job, some in their, their marriage, their kids some very real health struggles going on. And God, we just want to declare in this moment that we trust you in the midst of the unknown, in the midst of the ambiguity, in the midst of the confusion, the uncertainty, in the midst of the anger, in the midst of the frustration. Father, today we, we bring all those issues to you. And God, right here, right now, we just want to lay them at your feet. God, help us to be people that don't live with divided minds, but wholehearted devotion to you. God, may we surrender not only the moments and issues of our lives, but every aspect of our life to you, because that's what you call us to. And your promise is 
as we live from this posture of surrender, we can experience the abundant life that you offer. So God, for everyone surrendering their burdens to you now, may they experience your peace like never before, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you're here and you're, you're, you're watching this and maybe you've never crossed that line of faith, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, I would just simply submit to you that, that the only thing keeping you from experiencing an entirely new life is surrendering your life to God. And so here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And typically in this moment of our service, I invite those of you who have never crossed a line of faith to pray a simple prayer with me. Uh, however, I want, I want to invite everyone watching this. And maybe you've been following Jesus your whole life. Uh, maybe you just want to begin a real relationship with Jesus today. Maybe for you, uh, you, you once knew God, but it's been a while. Now, now today, you just want to come back to him. But I want to invite all of us to pray this prayer as a declaration, as a reminder to ourselves, and as a reminder to God of where our hope lies. So let's pray this together wherever you are on your spiritual journey. God, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for sending Jesus into this world. I believe that he died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sins. And I believe he rose again. God, forgive me of all my mistakes, all my sins. God, today I'm asking you to take my shame so I can take your honor. Give me the gift of eternal life, I pray. Now all of us, let's say this to him. Jesus, from this day forward, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's awesome. Well, hey, if that was uh, your commitment to God, that was your, your declaration to him for the very first time, you want to begin a, a real relationship with Jesus for, for the first time, I know I invited everyone to pray that, but maybe you just want to begin that journey. Uh, we got some resources that we believe can serve as a catalyst to launch you on your spiritual journey. So I would invite you to just text one word, text Jesus to this number, 408-944-5402. One word, just text Jesus to 408 944 if you're watching this live, we're going to post that into the chat as well. But we want you to know, man, we are celebrating with you. Uh, the Bible says in John 15 that all of heaven like throws a party when one person uh, makes Jesus the leader and the forgiver of their lives. And so, so we don't want heaven to have all the fun. We want you to know we're celebrating with you as well. And we cannot wait to connect with you as you begin this new journey. Well, hey, we have so much more uh, good in store for this service. Again, we're going to be celebrating communion in just a moment. So I hope you, you'll stay on and, and celebrate that, that special moment with us. And uh, if you need to jump off or maybe you're, you're watching this at a later time, I just want to say God bless you. And I look forward to seeing you real soon. <laughs>